What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Shit Podcast. I am really, really excited to have Taryn Nettles back on today. Uh, last time we had a conversation about optimizing female health and internal health markers, optimizing hormones, and paying attention to lab work during or even with contest prep. So today we're going to change pace a little bit because after that conversation, I had so many questions about Taryn, her journey. And after we've interacted more frequently, I think we have a very similar story, but I don't know it all. So I'm actually going to have her on today to share her story and why she's so passionate about what she does. So Taryn, thank you for coming back on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Excited to share my story with you. So let's just really dive right into it. So tell me, you know, what really got you into diet culture? Did it start off with bodybuilding or was there something that kind of prodded you into this? So, I, okay, so we have to go back, like way back in time here. Like this is going to kind of show my age, but that's okay. Um, so I joined right out, of the high, right out of high school. So like 18, 19, I joined the military. And within the military, that's when, you know, I kind of started getting into, you know, fitness and things like that because we had, you know, an, a biannual PT test that we had to pass, like just you know, running a mile and a half in, in so long, you know, doing so many sit-ups and push-ups like within a certain time. So that's kind of what started me into this. Um, I started off like everyone else, just like full-blown cardio bunny, you know, cardio and abs, like that's all I did. Um, but then um, actually that's where I met my fiance. And at the time he was, you know, a, a deep into bodybuilding. He was a natural bodybuilder. So He's the one that kind of got me into the whole lifting world and then introducing me into the bodybuilding world, like a place I, I would have never thought I would personally ever, ever be in because I was just so ignorant to it. And, you know, when you think bodybuilding world, you're automatically thinking, oh, steroids, like I, I don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, I was very ignorant. So that's what got me started. But fast forwarding i guess getting into like the deeper part of it i finally got the nerve to go and pursue a contest prep and i never thought that i would be the one to do it because i was just like like i would see other women do it and i came up in the era where you know nicole wilkins was um winning the arnold then you had gina aliotti out there you had monica brandt so i was like in awe with those women and I finally got the the courage to to do it and so I reached out to my first coach was it back in I want to say was it 2009 or 2010 one of those dates but I ended up <clears throat> reaching out to a IFBB pro figure gal I, I did not know anything at the time. I didn't know what was right. I didn't know what was wrong. Um, and needless to say, it was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. Um, because the, the dieting was meal plan based, um, basically the broest of the bro type of diets. Uh, basically, was it asparagus and tilapia? um oatmeal maybe an apple here and there um and doing a shit ton of cardio and minimal training like it was kind of the opposite and i wasn't allowed to tra to train chest 
And I was just like, why? But I didn't know because I was just like, well, okay, maybe that's just what I have to do to be a figure gal. Okay, pause. Before we go further. So when you came out of the military and got into bodybuilding, did you already have a training background? Well, training background in terms of just like me training or like educational wise. Like, you actually training, like your training age. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I actually started weight training in 2000, about 2005. I started, but probably seriously got into it about 2008. So, yeah. So, I I was a train, like I did train. I knew how to like lift weights and stuff at that time. Okay. Cause I want to, like, I want to use your story, but also like point out things that people should pay attention to. For example, like if you didn't have a training age and you're like, I'm going to do a bodybuilding prep and they're like, cool, we'll just start you on this fucking really restrictive diet and a lot of cardio and you have no muscle to begin with. Like that's a red flag, right? So just things that people should pay attention to, but that's why I wanted to ask about that. But okay. Now continue. Yeah, that's fine. And then if anything pops up, you know, please stop me. You know, if you have any like questions or whatever, Um, but yeah, like at that time, like I didn't really have like a shit ton of muscle mass or things like that. Cause I was still fairly new in the game. Um, but basically the diet protocol was shit. Um, I did a ton of cardio. I was doing a hundred minutes of cardio every single day, seven days a week. I had to do hit cardio, um, 20 intervals, two times a week. And then on top of that, I had a track workout one time a week that of course was more cardio so it was the complete opposite of what i thought a bodybuilding prep would be because i was like okay bodybuilding is weightlifting but here i am i'm putting more emphasis on the cardio side than actual than actually lifting weight so i i was a little bit confused but again still very much so ignorant to the game Yeah. And this is what I went through with my first coach as well. It was a meal plan. My fat, what it was tilapia, asparagus, and I would get eight almonds a day as my dietary fat. I could not eat fruit because sugar was bad. And I started off with two hours of cardio. um, And my training was literally junk volume and supersets, like with everything. And it was just like the most excruciating time of my life. I got, I think I sent you pictures. Like I got so shredded. I had striated glutes and bikini. Like that is, it's not, not cool at all. But uh, one thing that you pointed out that I think is important for people to remember is that we are in the sport of bodybuilding. And so when it comes to, I get this question all the time and I'm sure you do too. Like, all right, coach, now that we're starting prep, shouldn't I change my training? No, we do not need to change your training. You need to continue to train with intention. You need to continue to prioritize your nutrition around training. We need to continue to put your most effort into your training to, especially in a deficit, like you have to train to sustain your muscle tissue at that point. And of course, speaking to a natural audience there, but, um, going forward. So you went, you did all the cardio and what (laughs) what happened? Oh my God. Okay. So I did like, when I signed up with this gal, I signed up for, I think, I believe it was 28 weeks. So about, I would say 20, week 22, I had, I was in that phase of like ordering my suit and all that stuff. Now, grant you throughout this whole entire process, I only really lost five pounds. Like you, yeah, only five pounds. Like you would think I would be like, you know, just losing all the weight. It didn't happen for me. And 
when I had my suit come in the mail to try on and send pictures to my coach, that's when I had that awakening moment. And I was just like, I don't look like a figure girl at all. I look like complete shit. Um, I still had, you know, fat on my body. I definitely wasn't lean in terms of the, you know, bodybuilding figure standard. And throughout this whole entire time, I'm getting told like, oh yeah, you have such great potential. You're doing really well. Oh my God, you look amazing. Cheerleader and coach. Pretty much. And I'm just like, what? And so when I seen myself in that figure suit, I was just like, no. That I, I no, like I'm not stepping on stage. Like, look at me because prior to that, like I've been to shows and, you know, you always see that one person up on stage where you're like, who let you up there? Like who said you were ready to do this? And I like, I even told my coach, I was like, I do not want to be that gal. And she's like, oh no, no, you're not going to be that gal. I was going to be that gal if I stepped up on that bodybuilding stage. So I ended up stopping with her. I came to my senses. I stopped because I was like, this isn't right. Like something isn't connecting here. I don't know why I'm not progressing or, you know, getting lean or looking like a figure gal. And um, just the whole thought process of like, I only lost five pounds throughout this whole entire prep, like 22 weeks of dieting and going through all that hell. I should have lost more. Um, but... After I quit, obviously I had no idea about like, what, what do I need to do now? Well, how do I recover myself? No idea. So of course I did what everybody else did. I went, I ate food and I just, I couldn't stop eating food. And so I packed on a shit ton of weight and, um, that was probably the worst I've ever looked in my entire life. And I had no idea why I look like that. Um, I was so embarrassed, you know, because everyone was like, oh, yeah, you look great. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm up like 30 pounds. And it's it's hard. It's it's hard for people to see you like that when you're so used to like people telling you, oh, you look so good, um, even though I didn't. But, you know, that's why you don't listen to people in your gym who are egging you on and don't know nothing about what you're doing. Um, but yeah, that was a really hard experience for me. And then um, throughout like all of that, I kind of hung up bodybuilding because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like if this is what I have to do to get it, I'm not doing it. Like I, I guess I'm just not cut out to do it. So fast forward, um, man, it was like a while. So fast forward to around like 2017. I finally decided like, okay, I'm going to try this again. And I did. And, but this time I went about it more in a, a more healthier quote unquote way, um, where, um, it was myself and my fiance doing the coaching. Like we, I coached myself now grant you back then too. It's like, I didn't really do refeed days or diet breaks or anything like that. Just straight dieting. Um, and I got leaner. I made a, I made a lot, a lot better progress than what I did in my first contest prep. Um, but I wasn't exactly where I needed to be. Um, but I was still good enough to step on stage, but obviously not like in my mind, what I wanted to look like. So I did that. I made it to stage. I was excited. I got second place and I was like, okay, good. I did it. And then after that, I made the same mistake again. 
started eating food, didn't necessarily have like a proper recovery plan, gained all this weight. And that's when I started rolling into like these hormonal issues. I had no idea like why. Um, I just remember I had extremely bad night sweats, like to the point where I had to wake up in the middle of the night, like and change my clothes, change my sheets, everything. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I, I like, I have no idea. Um, and I, I went through that for a little bit. Um, I gained a little bit more knowledge during that time of just, you know, nutrition and just how things kind of tie into one another. And then also why refeed days, diet breaks, things like that are important. So I, I finally kind of got myself together on that and just started, I guess, recovering myself the best way I, kn I knew how. Um, and then after that, 20... 2018, a year later, I don't know why I decided to try to go into a prep again. I definitely was not ready to prep again. So I went to the calorie deficit, I hired a coach. Um, he's a fantastic coach. It wasn't like his fault because he didn't necessarily, you know, know the ins and outs of where I was internally. Um, but I went into a contest prep and I just wouldn't make progress like at all, nothing. So I had to pull out of that. Um, and then during that time, um, I was just like, wanted, I just wanted to train harder, you know, cause that's all I knew, like go harder, go harder. Like try to stay lean as, as much as you can. That message. Um, yeah. That message, I've been there for too <laughs> it, fucking long. Yeah, it, it's probably the, one of the worst things you can do is go harder, but that's, that's really all that I knew. So I was like, okay, I'm going to train like super hard. You know, I, I'm going to get on stage again at one point in, you know, in my life. Um, and so then in 2019, I decided to try to prep again. Um, and then I hired a coach and the methods that were being used were, well, at first it started off like, you know, like how we would prep someone like right now, knowing what we know. Um, but then it got to a point where things just started to get a little bit more extreme. And I was being told, well, this is bodybuilding. This, this is what you need to do. And I was on 25 grams of fat, 25 grams of carbs, and like 180 grams of protein for, what was it like? I think it was like for six to seven, seven weeks. And I just remember I was just, I would just emotionally break down. Like I was so emotional. I wasn't making progress. I was doing a shit ton of hit cardio, um, per week. Um, on top of obviously training now, because now it was like a, a prep where I was actually training versus doing all the cardio. And my body just wasn't responding again. And so I was like, okay, I'm just not made to do this. Like, I, I don't know what the hell is going on. So I pulled out. Now, the shitty thing on top of all this is during that time, that prep in 2019, I was actually prepping a gal for an OCB figure show. And the methods that I was using for her were working. The methods that were being put on me from the coach I was working with was not working. So it was like complete turmoil with, within myself. But I was like, this is what I signed up for. This is what I got to do. Um, but needless to say, I had to pull out of that contest prep because I was like, I'm not making progress. I can't get up on stage looking like this. And I just remember like the coach was like, oh no, you know, you'll, you'll get up on stage, yada, yada. And I was just thinking to myself, how can you say this? How can you say I'm going to be getting up on stage at 
at 150 pounds. I was like, I'm not Iris Kyle. She gets on stage at 150 pounds. Like, I'm not that big. Um, but it was just, they just, they didn't know. They didn't necessarily know how to diet a female at that time. So after all of that stuff, that's when I finally got into like all these like hormonal issues. Um, very estrogen dominant, had night sweats, very emotional. Um, I'll never forget when I was in the gym, like training, having that awakening moment where I seen myself in the gym mirrors and grant you gym mirrors can be very flattering, but then on the opposite spectrum, it's like a reality, like a punch to the face. It's a gut check. It's like, oh shit. It oh, is. No. I've been it there. Is. And um, I remember looking at myself and I was like, I don't even look like I lift weight. I look like I'm getting fatter. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know why, like I'm going hard. I'm training hard. You know, that's what I know what to do. And, um, it was just a really rough time for me. And I just had a lot of hormonal issues, but I didn't really know. So then I decided to go in, get these things looked at. And I was so jacked up. Um, like I said, estrogen, do estrogen dominance, damn near no pedestrone, damn near no testosterone. And uh, thyroid was uh, was in the tank, and that's kind of when I had like my awakening moment. Like, oh my god! So there's more to this than just killing myself and dieting myself. And that's what kind of led me to where I'm at now, and the passion that I have now for helping females. Because I've been one of those females where, regardless of what I did, I've never made the progress, or I can never get lean enough. And so when I finally started connecting the dots and learning more about this stuff, that's when it clicked for me. I was like, it's deeper than just being in a calorie deficit. Like if I, if internally my systems are not where they need to be, I'm not going to make the progress. And yeah, I can push super hard, but my body is going to push back even harder. And it's always going to win at the end of the day. So right now i'm in a good place um i do plan on competing again except this time i'm not putting a timeline on it so i'm not going to be one of those i'm going to compete every single year you know type of women like i was before in the past and um i am on hrt um because i try to recover myself naturally you know with trying to bring up my testosterone my pedestrian to get me out of that estrogen dominant state and I did all the things right, but my pedestrian and testosterone actually dropped more. So I was just like, okay, something's going on. And I was like, maybe it's something genetic. I'm not sure. So I decided to take that leap and get on HRT to, to fix myself because I was like, what I'm doing is not working for me. And I know that's always the golden rule. Like, that's what I always tell people who are like, oh, I want to do HRT. Put in the time first to try to fix it naturally before you take that dive because when you take that dive it can be a lifelong thing depending on the person of course yeah so there's a couple things that i want to because i know this is like your area of expertise and mm -hmm. i want to kind of give the listeners some education here that don't really that might be in that same space and they don't understand what's going on okay. so um, you know, the experience of night sweats, for example, very common, but yes. can you break down why that happens? 
So it can be one or two things. So it can be that cortisol is just very high, causing you to have night sweats, or it could be that estrogen's very low, causing you to have night sweats. Now, typically, like if we were to Google, like, why am I having night sweats? And obviously, we're not in like a perimenopause or I was gonna say they're gonna tell you you're going through menopause. Exactly. Because that's that was everything that I was finding back in the day. And I was like, I'm only in my 30s. I'm not going through menopause here. Um, but obviously, with learning more, it can either be cortisol or your estrogen is lower. Um, you know, especially if you are someone who's like you're leaner or let's say you come off of birth control and hormones just went in the shitter, you know, that can be two of the reasons why. Yeah. And it's just reflective on the cycle health. For example, most people, once they get their cycle back, uh, coming into it or leading into their cycle, um, when estrogen does drop, sometimes it's not even high enough to be baseline where it should be. So then it drops during that time of their cycle when it comes and they start to experience night sweats as their natural levels try to come up and kind of balance it out. So post-show, I do see this um, pretty frequently, but again, as you continue to balance out over time, if you're doing all the right things that will stop. Exactly. Yes. Um, so let's talk about, did you ever see, um, experience your hair falling out? Um, I no. I don't think I have. I mean, especially with low, low fat. Yeah. I, I never did. Um, now grant you, I have like thick, thick ass hair. So even if I did, maybe I I didn't notice. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't believe I have. Do you work with that. clients that have this this uh, issue? I have. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where does that typically come from? So that can definitely be thyroid related for sure. Um, you know, that's probably like the leading cause of, of hair loss or even like stress. Like if, if stress is very high, like mental stress, you know, physical stress that's on the body. But we also have to keep in mind that when it comes to you know, cortisol, higher stress, or just being in a unhealthy pattern, it is going to impact thyroid. So it's kind of like, it's like a double edged sword when you're talking cortisol to thyroid, and that can that can be an issue. Um, even specific like mineral deficiencies, like vitamin mineral deficiencies can be the, the cause of that too. I was going to say that's, that's most common. What I see is I'll, I'll pull food diaries and see they're really eating, not, they keep it limited and they don't start to expand variety. And so they're mm -hmm. missing out on minerals, right? Things that help yeah. regulate the thyroid. They're not getting the selenium. They're not getting those really, really important regulators that help upregulate up that. And especially like fat sources, they'll keep it super simple. They're still not getting solid omega-3s. They're not getting those anti-inflammatory properties, which can yeah. help reduce the stress on the body. So I definitely see that being common, but that is something I hear a lot about people talking about is like, my hair is still falling out. But if you look at their nutrients, and again, as people who do evaluate blood work, we're not doctors remember that. So it's really important for us to break down what's going on and really address nutrition, training, lifestyle factors. And then if we make all of those changes and it's consistent over time, our job at that point is to take the information that we have and lead you to advocate for yourself with a healthcare professional, right? We're not, I think people misunderstand the importance of how to stay in your lane with this. I do think it's important for coaches to be able to understand what they're reading and be able to tie it into the biofeedback, but also you are not a doctor, so you cannot diagnose anybody and you cannot treat a health condition. But if you see it, your job at that point really is to advocate for the client that's in that position. Yeah, so 
um, when it comes to estrogen dominance, and I do feel as though I'm probably getting into that situation right now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what was your, cause that's exactly how I feel and I'm very uncomfortable about it, but I do know I need to get updated labs before I go ahead and like assume the worst. Um, but so when you went through that phase, right, what are some of the symptoms other than just kind of feeling like you're putting on body fat? Was there any other biofeedback that you really experienced? And then you looked at your labs and you're like, well, this is fucking why. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the weird thing is, is like throughout the whole course of time where I was estrogen dominant, um, I never lost my cycle, even with pedestrian being as low as it was, which was very surprising. Um, But for me, I just remember I was very, very emotional. And I'm not an emotional person. Like I'm kind of like, stone cold poker face, you know what I mean? I don't wear my emotions on my sleeve. Um, but I remember like, even if I got into like a little argument here or there, like I would start like tearing up and I was like, why, like, why am I like crying? You know? And I remember that I remember like my anger, like I would just go zero to a hundred, like just the smallest things would just set me off. Um, another thing would be my sleep. My sleep was very, very disruptive. I, I felt like I wasn't getting enough sleep. Um, I would wake up just always exhausted. Like I just, I, I don't know what it was. I just, I could not, I couldn't get that quality of sleep that I needed. Um, now grant you, I was also living off of coffee to make, I was going to, my follow-up question was how much (laughs) caffeine are you consuming at this time? Yes. I, I lived off of coffee. Um, and that's obviously not the right way to go about that, but I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and then another thing that I remember is like around my cycle, I would have really bad like breasts, like my, my breasts would swell up. They would be very sensitive, swollen, sore. Um, it was like even hard some days to like wear a bra just because I was like, oh my God, like this is so painful. Um, but that was the biggest thing. Um, now as far as like the physical side of it, um, I did hold a lot of weight in my thighs, in my um, around my glute area, that was like the biggest indicator. And I looked very, um, very cellulite in those in those areas. Like if you were to see pictures of me then versus now, even though I'm not really I'm not lean right now, it's a total it's it's a totally different body just because I got that under control. Yeah. And I think a lot, you see this all the time. So in your off season, a couple of things, right? Mishandling post-show. And we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but if you put on too much body fat too quickly, you have to remember that estrogen is stored in body fat. Um, So that can lead to, you know, estrogen dominance. And then over time, if that's not addressed and cleaned up, we can see people recomp once they get their hormones and their metabolic health under control, even at the same weight and people don't, this is why I tell people, if you mishandled post-show, like the best thing you could do is get consistent and allow your body to try to regulate itself, right? If it doesn't start to clean up. And again, I, I want you to talk to more about timelines because I want to set realistic expectations for people who are going through these things. Cause they want to do it for a month and they want to do it for two months and then they want it to be fixed. So I do want to uh, dive into that, but there's a couple of things in the off season that I see. One is estrogen dominance and fixing that, right? There are physical changes that you see in someone's physique um, when it comes to that, when it gets bad, right? As an indicator, maybe in a reverse or some things that they're doing there um, or on the good side when it's handled and things are back in check. But on the other side of that too, we'll also see things like insulin resistance that in itself can throw body composition 
terribly. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. everything's been the same. You're being super consistent, all this stuff, right? Nothing, no changes have happened, but we're in a place where calories are pretty high. And all of a sudden you start to see those impacts. Do you see that as well? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like if I have someone that's coming off of a contest prep or maybe just a fat loss phase in, in general, um, where like, let's say we had to get slightly more aggressive just to kind of get like the last couple pounds off. Um, we, we do see that we, we will see like that negative shift kind of happen if things get out of control. Now, grant you like with having the plan or like having your coach guide you in the off season or post fat loss, that's just as important as in a fat loss or in a contest prep. And that's, I would even argue that it's more important because uh, yeah. you know that your body is not operating the way that it should. And so yeah. the importance of being consistent, being coachable and like mm-hmm. sticking to the plan, even though there's no deadline and people will always kind of say, well, there's no show, there's no deadline. I'm like, well, bigger than a stage in a show and like showing yourself off is actually being able to live in a healthy body, have energy, be able to show up, stay comfortable in your skin and not have to fix the cascade that's going to happen if we mishandle this phase. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I I agree with that. It's probably way more important. Now, I know like the off season time and recovery period, it's, in my opinion, I think it's harder than the the prep. um, Just because obviously, like you said, you're not prepping for anything. So you're just like, it doesn't matter how I look, you know, I'm not going to get up on stage half naked in front of 1000s. So who gives a shit? But it really is your health. Because like you said, you know, as body fat goes on, like if you're packing it on super fast, estrogen's going up, as estrogen's going up, cortisol's going up, and it's just like a whole negative cascade that can occur from just those two things specifically going up. It's just, it's not good. And even though like I know in a recovery period, it's very hard, it's very testing, you know, leptin, ghrelin's all jacked up and you're just in this weird phase where you don't feel like yourself, you can't look for that instant gratification. You have to look at it as, okay, I kind of have to step away from the fitness or the contest prep principles for a while and work on recovering my health. And obviously for a competitor, you still want to maintain the best body composition that you can, even though there will be some fat gain that does come in that process. Yeah. And I think this is also super important because things that I don't want to say trigger words for people, but like when you go through a contest prep, or even if you just went through a fat loss phase and you've hit a set point where you've never seen yourself, right? Maybe you were really overweight and you're trying to regulate your set point here, regardless of where you're at, there is some body dysmorphia associated with that, especially in physique athletes, because we get to incredibly lean levels of body fat. And so, you know, when you start to gain weight in your off season, it's important to recognize that you have that and it's forever going to be in your psychology because once you see something, you can't unsee it. Once you know something, you can't unknow it, right? That's why they say ignorance is bliss. And so one of the biggest things that I tell my clients going into a prep, if it's their first time, this post-show period is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done because you're going to go through an experience you've never been through. And there are lots of sacrifices and consequences and 
it's not always good consequences, right? Some of that, again, is the psychological adaptations that come with it, right? Food focus is amplified. You're really focused on highly palatable foods. You're not sleeping. Your sleep is disrupted. Lots of different things that happen, but also the body checking, right? I do monitor my client's habits. In your off season, you should not continue to be body checking yourself every day, looking for abs, knowing that they're not there. They're not coming, but it's like little habits that people have that you pick up in contest prep that you can't rid yourself of because you're hyper-focused still on the wrong aspect. And it's really important that the principles of contest prep, when it comes to being consistent, staying disciplined, focusing on being intentional with what you do, like those habits should carry over into your reverse to keep you successful. But the expectation cannot be to limit um, the amount of fat that you need to gain. And it's all going to be relative to how actually lean you got in the first place, how far you are from your body's natural set point and how you handle your reverse dieting period. Yeah, no, exactly. And it is like one of those things where it is like that mental thing where you do kind of get, you get used to that lean body because obviously with contest prep, it, I mean, time needs to be on your side. Like a 12 week contest prep is not for everybody. Like some people have to do, you know, 26 weeks or maybe even longer than that, depending on the person. But when you start getting used to that lean physique, you have to understand that is only temporary because that physique is not a healthy physique and you can't forever live in that body. Like it's just, there, there's no way. And I think as a first time competitor, that that really is the hardest thing, um, especially when they do start putting on some weight because when you're so used to being so lean and then you start putting on weight, it's like you can almost instantaneously feel it like because i'll never forget when that happened to me and i overate and i packed on like i swear it was like 30 pounds in like two weeks um i'll never forget just sitting there and like just feeling the fat on my body and it's just it's hard it's it's mentally hard on you yeah. And it's, I mean, it's hard again, psychologically and emotionally because your hormones are everywhere. Oh, so it's yeah. not just like the, the I'm uncomfortable thing. It's, and then the fact that a lot of people will go, okay, well, shit, I fuck this up. I'm ready to diet again. And unfortunately I tell this to every client that preps before we get into the end of the season, what you put on in this period, we cannot diet off. Yeah. Like period point blank. There is no if, ands or buts. I don't like, I cannot control what you eat. I can give you the plan. I can't make you adhere to it, but just know that if you get to a point within these first eight to 10 weeks of your reverse, where you're mindlessly eating and choosing to overeat, we cannot diet that off anytime soon. So you have to get comfortable in the bed that you made. And that's really hard to hear, but that's why I really like to emphasize the importance of that and have very clear conversations and exit strategies for clients, because it's like, you can do what you want at the end of the day. Like I'm here to give you the plan and I'm really trying to set you up for success, but I can't be there and make your meals and like make you do what you need to be doing. And so for anybody that's like going, I mean, contest prep season is, is upon us now. And it's like, if you're going into a prep and this is your first prep, like these are really important things to consider going into it is the importance of your exit strategy and keeping those habits to keep you successful long-term. Cause otherwise, again, like your metabolic rate is not catching up to your calorie intake and it doesn't happen after two weeks of binge eating. It's not going to just replenish back to where it was before it takes time. And so that's where I want you to dive into timelines. So you mishandled your post-show, you put on 30 pounds, right? How did you get back to a comfortable area and how long did that take you? So 
I I also made the mistake of like, oh, I put this weight on, I'm going to go ahead and try to diet it back off. Like I made that mistake, but again, it got me legitimately nowhere. Um, now I would say reflecting back in terms of like when I kind of got to a place where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable, things are normalized again, I would probably say... Well, once I stopped the bullshit of trying to to diet here, when I kind of like, like when I pulled my head out of my ass and realized I can't be doing that, um, I would say it probably took me about eight months to start feeling normalized again um, in terms of like how I felt like hormonally. Um, and then I would say maybe about a full year, like in terms of like the the physical side of it, just like kind of my body just kind of recomping, you know, things are just kind of leveling back out. So it's, um, I know that's not something that like people want to hear. They don't want to hear like, oh my God, a full year. That's crazy. But I mean, what I tell people is however long you prep for, you should take that time and multiply it by two. And that's how long you should be not dieting or in a contest prep for. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it sucks to hear that. But again, like this is one of the things where, you know, I've talked about this too. And you know, like I'm going through my own fucking dumpster fire of, of shit, you know, and sifting through it. But I did this and you can reflect on this too. It took you a year, but you started your crash dieting series in 2010. Right. And you went through it until about 2019, right up and down on and off. And so if you went for nine years, going all over the place with your dieting and you could fix that by doing it smarter and giving your body time for one year, the trade-off there is still incredibly small. And so when I tell my clients this, it's like, we need to really invest in this short term. And I'm telling you it is short or you can continue to spend the next year running yourself through this hamster wheel and still feeling like shit, looking like shit and being dissatisfied because you can't commit to six months. You can't commit to a year of discomfort when you've been uncomfortable and driving yourself fucking nuts for the last nine, 10 years, whatever it might be. Right. Especially for people who are like chronic dieters and like, you know, that's what they've spent their life's work doing is trying every diet under the sun. So it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And I'm speaking like being in the thick of the thick of it quite literally, (laughs) but I know that I have to continue to focus on the bigger picture and the long-term outcome that I want, which is my body to regulate itself to a point where I don't have to worry about my hair falling out. I don't have to worry about being constipated and having chronic diarrhea or having night sweats or not being able to sleep because my cortisol is high or being fatigued all the time or not being able to recover or not having energy or mental clarity. Like there's so many things that are negative that you live in and you normalize because you're like, but at least I look like this. At least I physically look like this. And then you have to reflect on. And for me, like I had to take a time and just really reflect on where the fuck do you find your value, Kate? Because I don't give a shit what you look like if you aren't hundred percent like high value, incredibly kind, like a great person that you are. If you're not able to show up as that, it doesn't matter what you fucking look like. Yeah. And Uh once you let that shit go, like everything just gets better. And you let you just go into the process and you're like, I'm here and I'm here until it's better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, that's, I think that's also like the hardest, the hardest thing, like with this space is it can be very cutthroat in terms of like the vanity portion of it. You know, like if, if you're not lean, if you're not maintaining that lean physique, people like automatically think like, oh, you went to shit. Like, 
you're nobody now. What do you know about fitness? And it's just like, well, little do you know, you know, I'm trying to recover myself, you know, and it's, it's hard. But again, it's like, you got to be careful on who, who you're involved with, because unfortunately, there are a lot of shitty people here. But there's also some really good people like you need to connect with those who understand and they're, they're not going to judge you because you're not hopping on stage every year or, you know, you may have put on a little bit of body fat because you are concerned about your health and your recovery process and the long haul of it, not just instant gratification. Yeah. And I think that honestly, for me, is one of the hardest things, right? As someone who's a, who's a prep coach and you're in the industry and like there's in a business owner and like you're in fitness and like people just judge you. Like they just want to throw shade. They want to judge you because I, I mean, if you follow my Instagram, I don't post a ton of like booty shit pics on my Insta. Like I'm not the vanity girl and that's fine. If people want to do that, I'm not shitting on you by any means. Right. But it's like, sometimes you feel pressure to, I have to show up as this and I have to stay lean. And if I'm not posting my physique and it's not lean, then what do people think of me? And that's where it's like, okay, hold on. Who and what am I working for? Am I working for me or am I working for the opinions of other people? Am I showing up for myself and my message and what's important here? Or am I, or am I trying to follow the beat of a drum that doesn't even align with where I'm at or where I'm going? And so like, once I could find that I was in full alignment of what I want to share, who I'm going to show up as and like who my audience actually is. And it's not the people that are saying, I'm going to run you to the ground. You're going to eat this meal plan. I don't give a shit about your internal health. Don't ask me for help because I don't do that period. I will fuck you up. Sure. I'll get you on stage fucked up. Sure. You might win. Cool. I'll post that transformation and that works. But when you really need help on the other side, Hey, I don't do that. So good luck to you. I don't align with that mission and it's, it's okay because it works for some people and maybe they have that conversation with their athletes. And if that's what the athletes cool with, again, I'm not here to shit on anybody, but I know where I'm going and what I want to provide. And it's more than that. And so like, I had to just kind of what I call white noise. I just tune out the white noise that doesn't apply to me and my audience and what I care about as a coach and an athlete. And I had to focus in on my people and the people that need that help and that need that education. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's why I love talking to you because you're further along in it than I am. But I know that you are an incredible source of of free information as well. I mean, if you guys don't follow Taryn, you need to on social media because her content is is bar none. I mean, everything you need to know. And if you're struggling, it's it's all laid out pretty clearly right there. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. And that's like what I said earlier, that's the reason why I got into this. And like, that's why it's like, I have no problem giving out free information. Like I know um, a couple weeks ago, like I had a coach, like basically question me, like, why are you giving this out for free? You know, people can take this and it's like, well, that's why I'm doing it to give it out for free. So it can help people. Um, I mean, cause it's one of these things where it's like, even if someone thinks like they're stealing my stuff, like, hey, that's cool because it's still whoever's taking it, there's still an art to it, you know, like in terms of like coaches taking it or whatever, there's still an art to what I do. So just because I'm giving the information, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to solve all your problems. Like you, you need to know what to do with the tools that I'm providing for you. Yeah. And this is one thing I have experienced that I see on social media all the fucking time and it drives me nuts. There are so many people, so many people, I don't care what industry it is, but definitely in coaching that will regurgitate information 
from an infographic that somebody else made and say it with big words and like conviction. And they just convince people that they know what the fuck they're talking about. And then when they try to apply it, they don't do anything that actually helps the client, right? They just follow this like narrative that they read on somebody else's Instagram page. And they're like, cool, this seems trendy. I'm going to take it on and deem myself a hormone specialist. And like, you know, and I've told you, like, I'm going through the second level of this program to continue to learn and educate myself on these things. Nowhere in my bio do you see hormone specialist or hormone, whatever the fuck, right? Because I still don't feel that I have a hundred percent under my belt. I still outsource stuff. I still ask questions. I still use my resources because the last thing I ever want to do is fuck somebody up because of ego, right? I don't care about that. I'm willing to say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me ask somebody else. Let me outsource this one because I just don't have the knowledge to help you with this. Like, and you see it probably all the time. It's like, it's cool. Like, I mean, I, I really don't like it when people steal other people's content. It, it really pisses me off. Um, but I, in the end, you're doing the client and yourself a disservice, pretending to know how to fix something that you don't, and you're charging for that. Like you're, I mean, I don't want, like to call people names, but that's like, you're a crook. Like you're just preying on people's ignorance and using your platform. Maybe you have great transformations. I don't know, but like, it's just being authentic and being like transparent about where you're at. Like, this is something I'm super interested in. I really would love to help you, but I actually don't know how to read this. I don't know how to interpret it. I really want to, but Hey, I know somebody that can, and I'm going to refer you out because I just right now don't have the, the education to help you. And I feel, and I respect so many people that will do that. And I feel very bad about the people that I'll receive. And like, even I'll follow up with you and be like, Hey, Taryn, have you seen something like this? Am I on the right track? Right. Because I want to make sure that I'm serving the client. I'm taking care of them. And if I can't, I have no problem being like, I'm sorry, dude, but I just, this is beyond me right now. Yeah. And you just send out for help. So uh, I think it's important for anyone. If you are looking, if you're struggling, number one, and you don't know what to do or where to look. Um, there are great coaches who are really good with this. I don't want to say every hormone specialist doesn't know what they're doing um, because there are some really, really great resources and really, really good coaches that are helping a lot of women fix these issues. But don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, Reach out to clients that they've helped and actually ask what their experience was and if it was them or if they actually ended up leaving, going to somebody else. And that's kind of what fixed it. Right. So, um, there's definitely layers to that stuff, but your health is something that's incredibly important and something you should not take lightly. Yeah. So now as far as you're on HRT, mm-hmm. what, um, when you decided to make that leap, because I'm definitely on the fence, I'll just be transparent about that. Like about what I'm going to need going into my future. Like what was the benefit of that? What did you see and feel and how long did that take? So like I said earlier, I'm, I'm on pedestrian and then injectable testosterone. Um, I, I'm not a fan of like creams or anything like that only because you're not really fully absorbing them because they have to go through like your skin and then not only that like if it comes off you know you don't necessarily know how much you're absorbing um so i take pedestrian pills and then injectable testosterone which is just a really small dose obviously since i'm a female um but i'll never forget when i got on it for the very first time like when i took the pedestrian i remember like the very first dose i took 
I took it and within like 30 minutes to an hour, I just felt so calm. Like just something I haven't felt in like a very, very long time. Um, I just felt very calm. I was like, I'm ready to go to bed. And it was like the best sleep of my life. And I'll never forget, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, I actually feel really good. Like this is amazing. Um, and then with the testosterone, because obviously with low testosterone for women, you know, we'll still kind of have that fatigue factor. We'll have lack of motivation, drive, low recoverability libido. for sure. Yeah. Recoverability, loss of, you know, muscle mass or just a, a poor shift in body composition. And that's what I experienced. But um, when I started with my test, um, I would say within a matter of a week or two, I, I started to kind of come around like I was recovering a little bit better. Um, I noticed like my time in the gym, like I wasn't dreading it or like dragging ass or feeling like, oh my God, this is like a thousand pounds. But I remember I, I killed this weight like back in the day. Um, I just remember like I just re, I feel like I kind of like regained my sense of purpose and drive with being back in the gym. It, it would just kind of like relit a fire for me. And with that, I also noticed a more positive shift in, in body composition. Now it's like the, that cellulite look that I was having, it just, it went away, like, especially my lower body. Cause that's where I'm just naturally prone to hold weight just from a genetic standpoint. But my legs got smoother. Like my, my glutes got like a little bit more tighter. I mean, obviously not like shred it, like I'm dieting, um, but just a different body composition. Even at being at a heavier weight, I was just looking so much better, feeling so much better. Sleep was good. Training's amazing. You know, all of the above. It was just a complete like, wow, I felt like shit for so long. Now this is what it's like to feel good. Wow. It's, it was just mind blowing to me. That's literally one of the best feelings and like the best feedback you get in a check-in from a client in a reverse, like, holy shit, I just feel alive. And yeah. one of the saddest things that I know from my own experience, but also that I see people living in and it breaks my heart because I know what they feel like is when you are used to living in such a shit place that it's normal to you and you have no idea what you're missing out on. If you would just invest in maybe gaining a little bit more body fat eating more food because at the end of the day, you still have food focus. You've just normalized that. Right. And it's one of those things where you don't know until you get there. And like, trust me, I'm still not a hundred percent, but I am so much better than I was eight months ago. I mean, and it's just one of those things where I, again, you have to invest in the process. You have to be willing to get uncomfortable short-term to be able to reap the benefits of that. I have one cup of coffee and I am good. I have focus. I have energy. Uh, sometimes my thoughts get a little jumbled, right? I'll know I'll write sometimes. And all of a sudden I'll have like some dyslexia. I'm like, what's going on with this? I don't know. Um, so I know that I'm not like hundred percent sharp. Right. And I still don't train at a high intensity right now. I auto regulate four days a week. And I just kind of listen to my body. Cause I know that I have, you know, high muscle protein breakdown property in my body for whatever reason, again, low test, low everything really, but that's a story for another time. But, um, that's, that's amazing. And I know that, you know, depending on where my labs are at, that's probably a step that I'm going to have to take, but at some point, um, and again, this is Taryn has a really long dieting history. I as well have not only a, 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 it's not as long, but it was incredibly aggressive, 
um, along with just exogenous hormones in the form of birth control for chronic periods of my life, right? So there's a point where, unfortunately, you may or may not be able to overcome that obstacle. And for me, it's just kind of a, not jumping the gun, but definitely have done my research and considered what HRT might look like for me. And then just understanding that if I want to live my best fucking life, which I do, every bitch that's listening to this, like, please show up to live your best life. Cause I can tell you when you are a piece of shit, like you're not even, you don't even like to be with yourself. You're like, I don't care. Like a, a sparkly tanned piece of shit is still a piece of shit. So whether you're on stage as a piece of shit or living your best life, like living your life as a piece of shit, it's really not a fun place to be. And I'm telling you, you don't know that you're living in that until you decide, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to find out like what the fuck I've been missing out on and when it clicks i'm telling you sister you're gonna be so happy you did but for now like i see you can see my energy is high and i've only had like 10 ounces of coffee today like and it's half calf but i feel fan-fucking-tastic and it's because i just let my body go you know what i don't want to live this fucking way we're not doing this no more and on the other side of that is like like i said just really just allowing yourself to light the fuck up and you light up people around you and you find more like-minded people and you realize bodybuilding in itself really consumed your entire life for way too fucking long. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and not only that, like just kind of like going back really quick, cause I kind of had a light go off when you're talking about like feeling amazing. And if you've just been living in shit your whole life, like that's your norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget too, like when I was in that estrogen dominant state, low, low pedestrian, very low testosterone, just there were some days too, where it's like, I couldn't even get out of bed. Like I was just like depressed. I couldn't get out of bed had no like i had no motivation and i was just so down and like i don't really have a history of like depression or anything like that but that can also be a cause of you know a hormonal imbalance in your body and once i did decide to take that leap to get on hrt all of that just went away and i just became a better version of me and just like, wow, so I can actually be happy. This is cool. You know, especially when you haven't been happy in so long. And it's really interesting to me. And of course, this is what I do in my free time is I try to research things. So like, I was going to ask you if you ever through that, that phase struggled with anxiety and depression, because I've always had some sorts of anxiety and it's something that's led me to do really good things. And it's some things that when people don't see behind the scenes, like how debilitating it can be when you can't shut it off. And I'm not a super sad person. I would not say that I am at all, but you know, when you're in that dark place and you're like, I don't want to get out of bed. Like, I don't, feel this way. I don't resonate with this. Like, who am I? I feel very dissociated with myself. Like I spent a lot of time there and I was like, I don't recognize me and I don't know how to fix it. That's a scary fucking place. Like that was when I really hit rock bottom. And I was like, I don't like who I am right now. Like, this is not it. I need to do something different. And there is research that shows, especially I'm sure, you know, like men's natural testosterone levels are declining like decade by decade. And so one of the things they do now is men that have that come in and report anxiety, they put them on anxiety meds without actually looking at their testosterone levels. And most of them are low testosterone. And so again, it's not just about being in a range. And this is why it's really important to know where you feel your best and where that lies and like ratios and how things interact. But like, if you feel off or you're developing like mood swings or just things that don't align with who you are and like your best self, like don't be afraid to also go, mm, I should get this checked out. Because again, most Western medic- medicine professionals are just going to go, 
here's some anxiety medication. Here's some, you know, Zola for depression or, you know, all those different things instead of being like, Hmm, we should actually look at your testosterone levels and like, see where we're at. Are we females? We should look at your reproductive hormones and see where those are at. Right. Yeah. Cause all of those things play a role, but you can code that with big pharma. And at the end of the day, you have to remember, unfortunately, and again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying medicine is bad. I'm just saying it's, it's done great things, but it shouldn't be the first step of action. It should be looking deeper and figuring out what's actually going on. And then trying to address that naturally, if you don't want to be on medication your entire life, which I personally don't. Yeah, especially with depression and anxiety, you know, that that can definitely just be a hormone imbalance that can be easily corrected. So instead of getting on like the antidepressants or anxiety meds, which can make things worse because it can have a negative impact on your cortisol, just driving it up, mm -hmm. um, you know, look deeper, you know, it like find out, well, what is the root to this? And, you know, don't just let medicine be a band-aid. like get down to the actual root cause. Exactly. And the thing about even HRT is it's bioidentical, right? So you're not putting something foreign into your body to fix something that you don't really know how your body's going to digest it and how it's going to be utilized, what that might impact as far as gene expression. Like you don't know what that's going to do. Something bioidentical that your body already recognizes is, is only going to amplify your ability to overcome whatever it is versus something that is made in as far as a compounding facility that, you know, you just don't know, you just don't know enough. And for me, again, like going on something like HRT is much more conducive and safer than relying on medication that you take for the rest of your life. But again, it's all about personal choice. And I'm not saying you're wrong for doing either one. I just yeah. think it's important to consider these different things if that's something that you're experiencing or maybe you're on some type of medication. Um, I have clients have, like I told you about that one client um, who was on birth control and she was just having these really up and down series and she struggled with anxiety and depression and it rolled over into a relationship with food and it rolled over into a relationship with training and she came off birth control and I'm telling you, it's like a different fucking person. She manifests everything. She's so excited, high energy. She doesn't want to diet anymore. She's like, I'm focused on getting strong. She's like, and I just feel different. She's like, I feel like a different fucking person. And it's because wow. she was on birth control for so long and it just impacted her normal ratios and what was being expressed in there. And it, it was just, it's incredible to see Cause I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, I'm so proud of you and I'm so excited because you don't know until you try, right? Yeah. And so maybe the medication that you're on is maybe making it worse. That's yeah. that's a number, it's, it's, it's N of one. So like, let's not take this and go, oh, if you're on birth control, that's why you're having like whatever. I don't mean that, but I'm just saying that could be you, but you'll mm -hmm. never know if you don't go, I kind of want to figure this out and dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, it's all about the root. There's always, there's always a cause to something. You just- you have to be willing and open to to explore it. Yeah, absolutely. So Taryn, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do appreciate you coming on, sharing your story and always dropping incredibly important knowledge. So you guys, I will link her information below. If you're interested in working with her to fix where you're at hormonally, I could not recommend her enough. And Taryn, if you have any last words, please share it with the audience. So let's see, last words. I would just say that just remember for, like from my story from every action there's always going to be a positive and negative reaction and whenever you're in the negative more is not better in in that in that case so i'll just i'll just leave it at that 
Awesome. Those, those are very important words to remember. Trust me, I'm going through it. It's like more is not better. Better is better. And sometimes yes. less is more. So exactly. 100%. Yes. Awesome, guys. We'll talk to you soon. If you guys like this, please like and leave a review. Let us know. Tag us and share it on your Instagram. We'd love to see that. And Taryn, we'll have you back soon. All right. Thank you.